Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Gospel Tech Podcast. My name is Nathan Sutherland, and today we are trying something new. Uh, We are actually going to be building this podcast based on the content that we've been uh, creating for some YouTube content. Uh, And the idea here is to try to engage people with really specific condensed information uh, so that the information is available in multiple sources, it's said multiple ways, uh, and now we can kind of help build some practice in both hearing it and then applying it, because the goal of Gospel Tech is to help families love God and use tech. And the only way that's applicable is if we can get beyond kind of the theory and the receiving of information and actually start to apply it. We can begin to apply our faith in God. We can begin to apply our understanding of healthy and unhealthy tech, right? And uh, so we're going to start using YouTube to try to apply some of that. So when people search like, man, how do I, because YouTube is one of the main places people go to know how to do something. Uh, And so we're starting to create some more YouTube content. Uh, It'll just be gospel tech on there. Uh, So you can find us on YouTube, but then we're going to start using it in our podcast format. So my hope is also that I can uh, secretly meet my longtime goal of making shorter podcasts. Uh, so we're actually using the YouTube content to drive our podcast content uh, in hopes that Nathan doesn't just keep writing 50-minute podcasts um, and then running away. Uh, also, this helps us in this season. We're very, very busy. We've been growing, which is super fun. But uh, we are heading towards our fundraising time of year, and our hope for the fundraisers to actually hire some more people to help us with this work. Uh, and while that's wonderful and exciting, it also means the reality is now we're doing something else. We're planning and, and uh, running a podcast uh, and planning and running uh, a fundraising, planning and running the expansion of our team and planning and running a lot of things, uh, just life and marriage. So to help us kind of stay safe and sane, that's where we're headed. So uh, if you want, check us out on the YouTubes. Uh, you can also check us here. I am currently attempting to do these separate though. So it is a little bit longer form in podcasts because there are things I want to say that I don't get to say on YouTube uh, just for the sake of commodity of time and space. So uh, just so you kind of know, thank you for everyone who's been a part of this journey. Uh, It is going to continue. We are not giving up podcasting, but I am attempting to hit that time goal. Uh, The only reason time goal matters is um, it makes it more accessible to more people. Uh, And I want to make sure that I'm concise and intentional with the uh, words I say and um, respectful of the time that you all give to me, because that is amazing. There's a lot of people you could be listening to. There's a lot of resources you could go find uh, for amusement, entertainment, distraction, or even uh, investment in your spiritual, emotional, and uh, just physical well-being. So thanks for being here. So today's conversation is, why does the gospel connect with technology? Um, this is a conversation we've had off and on and is embedded in each of them, but I want to I really drill into this one idea. Why does the gospel specifically, the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, not just spiritual well-being, not just uh, kind of good positive attitude, or even internet awareness? Like, why is it the gospel that needs to tie with our technology, uh, and how will that affect us and impact us positively uh, as we move forward in raising healthy youth in a tech world? So with that kind of as our basis, we're going to get this conversation started. Welcome to the Gospel Tech Podcast, a resource for parents who are feeling outpaced and overwhelmed as they raise children in a tech world. As an educator, parent, and tech user, I want to equip parents with the tools, resources, and confidence they need to raise kids who love God and use tech.
All right, everybody, thank you for joining us. Today's conversation, as I mentioned, is going to be about why is the gospel so important for uh, using our technology. But before we jump into that, I do just want to give a couple shout outs. Thank you to everyone who has been a part of this podcast and is allowing us to continue it. If you have not already, please rate and subscribe. Subscribe means your podcast will, sh- this podcast, excuse me, will show up on your phone or device um, every single week. Uh, you'll just get a notification on Tuesday when we post it. Hey, there's a new podcast. It'll pop us up in your feed. And then the subscription helps other people find us. Uh, if it has been beneficial to you, would you consider joining us uh, by either just sharing a podcast that you like with someone? It can be as simple as sending them a text with it. Uh, you could also post it on your social media. That just helps people find us as a resource. Uh, would you consider bringing us out to your church, place of worship, your community? Uh, we are actively opening up as we're in Washington State. We are opening up as a state, which is exciting. Uh, and we would love to be a part of your churches or your families or your community's journey to love God and use tech. Uh, we do that in a couple ways. I give keynote speech, speeches, excuse me, which is usually the best way to use that is as like a kickoff for a focus. Like, hey, our family wants to make a family tech framework. Um, that talk works really well as kind of bringing in this conversation and getting everyone on the same page so that it paves the path forward so everyone especially in technology conversations are fraught with misunderstandings. And so that's how we've seen it work best over the last three years is works really well as kind of a keynote kickoff versus the other option would be like a keynote capstone where it's like the end of all the work and it kind of, uh, kicks people off into their own personal journeys. It does work that way, but if we're doing one talk, uh, I would say do it at the front. So you can bring us in or you can join us financially. Uh, We are on Patreon now. If you go patreon.com slash gospel tech, you can join us. It's a couple bucks a month, but we ask people pray about what does it look like to support gospel tech? If this is a resource that you appreciate, uh, we want to continue to be a resource for people. We are a 501c3 nonprofit uh, through the nonprofit Flint and Iron, a nonprofit we started to help spark positive purpose in youth, and we believe the best way to get young people to their full potential is to get them equipped with families who can love God and use tech. So uh, thank you to everyone who's helping make that uh, possible and is making this work, uh, something we get to do week after week, which is amazing. So thanks for that. Today's conversation, then, let's dive in, is how do we uh, know the best way, or why is the gospel tech, I guess, why is the gospel the best way to connect with our technology? And it comes down to three reasons. It comes down to, it gives us a basis for truth. It allows us to build trust uh, and have a firm foundation to stand on for our tech conversations. And it provides us a real hope beyond the technology in itself. So uh, let's get this started. So the first one is it gives us a basis for truth. I think... The, my favorite idea for this is uh, why we even need truth, especially in our current age. Uh, everyone kind of builds their own truth. Right now, if you read modern studies about faith in America, uh, the most recent studies coming out of 2020 and 2021 is we have this couture faith idea that we go online and we find the stuff we like and we kind of cut out the stuff we don't like, right? Uh, we go through and we get this Thomas Jefferson approach where Thomas Jefferson went and he took a Bible and he took a pair of scissors and then he literally cut out the parts where he's like, well, I just, I don't really identify with that. And so we have this Thomas Jefferson Bible where it's not actually scripture, it's Thomas Jefferson's feelings on scripture. And that's what many of us are doing. We're going online and we go, man, I love these teachings of Jesus. I love his compassion for the poor and for his you know, conviction on, uh, on what the wealthy are doing. Man, I love that part of Jesus. But I don't really like this other piece, so I'm going to kind of cut that out. 
and I'm going to really focus on this aspect. And then I'm going to pick up this stuff. I really like this idea of kind of self-improvement from Buddhism or this, you know, focus on centeredness from this other faith or just general practice. I'm going to apply those. And I now have this version of Christianity or whatever faith I want to call it. And it's got aspects of a lot of good teaching, but it really comes down to, I was the editor of all of this, right? And it's couture faith or Christianity. And it comes down to kind of whatever's cool at the moment or whatever I feel like, whatever I'm going through and speaks to me, then that becomes my truth. And the problem with that, that the gospel fixes is, what about those hard decisions? What about those things I didn't even know it was good or bad yet? Like I couldn't make that call. That is where the gospel comes in, right? And if you're not familiar, if you are and just need to rehear it today, let's state it. The gospel is the good news that God saves sinners. It specifically says that we are broken and fallen and running from God with all of our will and our strength, which that couture Christianity or couture faith, designing our own faith is exactly an example of that. God says, I am good. I am the source of love. I am the God who loves you, designed you, and has made you for a purpose. And we go, yeah, that's fine. But we also want our own willpower to do our own thing, and we'll call on you if we need you. And now who's God in that situation? We are. Well, that is not only the definition of sin, but that's the definition of hell, is doing our own will all the time and running from the only source of light and goodness and hope and joy and freedom that we have, right? We are instead taking up shackles on ourselves and enslaving ourselves to the sin that ends up running our hearts, right? To the selfishness that ends up consuming all of us. So God says, no, I am good. And because you're doing this poorly, the whole Old Testament is showing God writing down, here's what it takes to be good and people failing at it miserably and him making a one directional covenant saying, I love you no matter what you do. But if you do these things, these other things will happen and they fail miserably. So the whole book of Judges, people doing what's right in their own eyes, God going, and I love you. I'm not going to let you stay here, right? It actually goes all the way back to Genesis 3.15 where Adam and Eve go, yeah, but we're going to do what we want. He goes, I love you, right? Death is entering this picture because to live forever in this situation is hell, right? I'm going to remove you from this uh, garden that I've made where you're going to eat from the garden and the tree of life. You're going to live forever. That is hell. You're going to die. You're going to have repercussions from these things, but I'm clothing you. He kills animals, the first sacrifice, covers their nakedness, sends them out, and then relentlessly pursues them all the way until Jesus arrives, right? And we get promises of that through Isaiah and through Ezekiel and through Jeremiah and through all the prophets, right? And they said, someone is coming and they're going to fix this. And then Jesus arrives and goes, hey, someone just came and I'm going to fix this. And how does he fix it? Well, all of his apostles or all his disciples at the time were like, hey, this is going to be amazing. You're the returning king. That's incredible. We've seen you heal people. We've seen you raise the dead. We've seen you do powerful works. We've seen you rage in the temple and kick over stuff. And it was really close to the Romans. So we think that's related. And we're going to take palm fronds. We're going to throw them on the ground because that was the Maccabeans. And they were a violent revolution. We're super excited. And then he dies on a cross like a criminal. And they're like, yeah. That wasn't exactly what we expected. How do we know that? Because after he's dead, they weep and they mourn and they go to they go to fix his body up after the Sabbath, right? Because they, he's dead and they know he's dead and they didn't get it, right? And then he's raised to life and he comes back because death had no purchase on him. And the good news of the gospel says, not only did he win life for himself, he gives it freely. And not only did he win life for himself, he left, and he's very clear on this, not because he didn't know what to do on earth, but because he is so gracious, he goes, no, 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 it's not time for me to separate the wheat from the chaff yet. It is not time to separate the weeds from the good plants. It's not the sheep and the goats time. This is the time for new beginnings. And he goes away 
to give his Holy Spirit to us. That was what was one. We are now indwelled. There is no temple we have to go worship at because each of us can be indwelled by the living Spirit of a holy God, which is when we say we are made new creations. That's not poetic language. Like you literally go from being a dead individual running from God and hating his righteousness and rule to loving that and seeing your need and wanting more of God because it brings you such joy and such hope. And you recognize the short time we have on this earth is not enough time to tell people about God's goodness and the opportunity they have to know him in reality, not in theory, not in philosophical, uh, theological kind of hypothetical worldness, but actually to know a living person of God, right? That's important to know, and that is the gospel, because that's incredible news for whatever you're going through today. Maybe you're stressed out by work, maybe you're stressed out by your family, maybe you're stressed out by COVID, uh, but whatever your situation, your area of need, God meets you in that and then uses that to his glory. I will not tell you that all your hard stuff in life will go away. I will tell you all your hard stuff in life can become joyful, and I mean all of it. He can heal and redeem the most broken relationships and the most broken circumstances this world has, and it doesn't make them fun, but it makes them a source towards good, right? And I, while I would love to make that dive in deeper, the reason that matters is our conversation was, why is the gospel tied in with our truth? or with our technology, and because it gives us a basis for truth. We have now a basis for, man, my life is broken. I'm making bad decisions. I keep failing. What do I do? We turn back to the gospel and go, all right, in Christ, if I have repented of what I'm doing wrong, of my own running in my life, and ask God to run my life for me, I've given him my heart is the language we use on that, right? He indwells us with his Holy Spirit. He says we're sealed with his Holy Spirit. He says that the Holy Spirit will be used to uh, flow out of us like living water and then to show us right and wrong and to teach us the scripture so that we can see just not only our need, but also our way forward. Because as Ephesians 2 says, we're saved by grace for good works, right? There are things in this life that we're now working out of that matters. Why do we need the gospel for our technology, because now we know what is true. What is true? You are loved in Christ. You are redeemed in Christ. You are made right with God in Christ. You are given everything you need for righteousness and holiness in Christ, which means you don't have to spend your life getting right enough with God so you can somehow impress him to get picked for his holy kickball team. That's not the goal. You are picked right? And out of that picking, you now can live righteously. And when you don't, you repent because you can repent because your heart is now broken because you recognize your need, right? That, that is the goodness of the gospel. Now apply that to our technology. Why does that matter? I love the way Tim Keller says this, um, that what matters is not the amount of faith you have in the object of your salvation, but the strength of the object. And he uses this image of uh, ice. And if you were out in the, well, we're in the, uh, in the Northwest, so ice never gets thick enough to go on, but in the Midwest, right? If you go out and there's a frozen lake, let's say, and you step out on it, walking out on the ice is the act of faith. It doesn't matter if you believed an itty bitty little bit or a ton, you're on the ice, the ice is supporting you. What matters now is the strength of the ice on whether you're going to break through. We need something strong enough when we talk about technology to know if our truth can be held up when we address the hard questions brought both by tech and through tech, right? Meaning by tech, it addresses what is happiness? How do I get there? What is purpose? How do I understand that? And then the stuff I'm going to view through tech, there are individuals who want to tell me that. Companies, individuals who are profiting off their messages, products, right, that are going to come through and I need a truth. And that truth is the gospel. It's the only thing that can stack up to my need and to a powerful solution in this life, not just a hypothetical someday, I hope it works out, right? And by the way, I would add, 
we're all believing something. Uh, you could be the most hard-bitten atheist on the planet. You believe something is true. You could believe only the facts you can prove, but at some point you're trusting those facts are true, right? There's, we just don't have the time. We don't have the emotional and psychological bandwidth to do all of the research ourselves. It would be ineffective. That's why we as humans build on the history and the knowledge of the people who have come before us, right? And that's from the roads we make to the buildings we build to the way we make our steel to the way we apply teaching in classrooms and change all the time is because we keep building our knowledge, right? So we have a basis for truth. You're going to believe something. And that's really important. Uh, I will just add this one thing. If you've watched The Social Dilemma, uh, Jaron Lanier um, on there talks about the power of social media specifically because it's The Social Dilemma. Uh, If you haven't watched it, it's on Netflix and worth your time. Uh, But his point is, what if the internet was able to give every individual a specialized answer for truth for just what that individual would want to hear. And then his argument is that's effectively, I mean, his example is if you went to Wikipedia and you looked up what happened in the Civil War, and based on where you live and your age and your economic bracket and all this information, what you purchase, right, they gave you a different answer than if someone else in a different part of the country searched that same thing, right? And then he says, well, that's basically what the internet is doing. (laughs) We go and we Google something, we search something on YouTube, and it's giving you this really niche answer based on what it thinks you want to hear, not what's best for you. It is already programmed for a truth. So if our AI is programmed for truth, then we should be too, right? That's how we're going to get to a healthy spot. The second reason we need the gospel. So the first is because it gives us a foundation for truth. The second is now that we have a foundation for truth that is solid, it's not a moving target, right? We can now build our understanding of what healthy tech looks like. In fact, I would argue that healthy tech can only come from a firm foundation in the gospel because every other method of using technology is going to end up forcing us to look to it for our hope, which I'm stealing my own thunder on my third point. But let's talk about building trust. Based on a solid understanding of the gospel, I can now build an adequate understanding of what does our content viewing look like, right? We can go to scripture. We can go, hey, Philippians 4.8. I usually list the whole thing. Let's just go with the first four, right? It is, is it true? Is it just, right? Is it good? <laughs> like, let's look at whatever is true, whatever is honest, whatever is noble, whatever is pure or just, noble, just. Um, we have this basis of, all right, like I now can look at this. I can look at Galatians 5, 22 and say, all right, does this produce love, joy, peace, patience? Let's just stop there, right? Does my technology help me do that? Yay or nay? Can I watch this? Can I listen to this? Can I play this, right? Mom and dad, can I use this app? I now have a solid basis with which to have that conversation. And if it's yes or no, it's not just because I'm scared of it. It's because I have a greater hope and I don't want to settle for something less. If I don't allow my children to engage that, it's not because I'm scared of the world. It's because I love my children. I go, no, listen, like here's what's true and good and right and pure. We're going to aim towards that. And I think this is a distraction. It also allows us to change course. If it was fine for a season and then we notice a change, we can address the change. We don't have to be all knowing and make one decision for all time. We have the gospel and we live according to that. And when information changes, We adjust accordingly, right? Maybe that game was fine and the new iteration or the new downloadable content or that whatever changed and now we make a new decision, right? What about time? How often do I play it? How frequently do I play it, right? What days of the week, around what events? Um, For how long can I play each time? That is now based because I now have to understand my time is not my own. My life has been bought with the price. So I don't have quote unquote free time. 
I have time, and I can do anything that's going to help me love God more and nothing that helps me love God less, which then brings us down to, well, am I healthy? Like, I can now answer that, right? We use the reset in gospel tech for that, but I can answer, like, is this tech okay for me to use? We'll do a reset. Is it improving or deterring, (laughs) distracting from your relationships and responsibilities, your enjoyment, your sleep, your emotions, and your time? And your enjoyment isn't based on, does it make me feel good? right? There'd be a bunch of CBD vendors that would want me to say that, but we're not talking about that. Instead, what we're talking about is, does it help you enjoy all of who God has called you to be? Side note, if you're into CBD, I, sh- I won't make a statement. In the Northwest, uh, weed products are a huge deal, and they're they're a point of much contention. So uh, I will say, though, people want to sell you products based on this is going to make you feel good. Sometimes we need them medically, and that's great. Sometimes we're seeking alternative ways out of what we want to do. We're Jonah, and as Sally Lloyd-Jones says in the children's storybook Bible, uh, Jesus storybook Bible, that we're Jonah and we're buying a ticket for not Nineveh, <laughs> right? I'll take, I'll take a ride anywhere that isn't where God wants me to go, because it doesn't make me feel good, and I want to feel good. So that's what I was attempting to address there. I'm sorry if that was too flippant. Uh, but we have our, our time, and then finally our health, and now we can build trust on this foundation of the gospel because we know who we are in Christ. We know who God is because of his revelation to us in Christ and in scripture. And now we know that we can have a daily, ongoing, running relationship with the living God that isn't just about us obeying properly, but obeying because we're already loved more than properly, actually scandalously, right? We are loved while we were still sinners, Romans 5, 8 tells us. And that's nuts. But out of that, I can now use my tech well, because I can look at tech with the eyes of uh, wide open, seeing truth, seeing, man, that tech isn't good for me. In fact, that tech lies to me. That tech gets me to believe lies and then pursue those lies with my time, my energy, my effort, my emotions. And all of a sudden I'm dry and I'm burned out and I'm angry at the world and I wonder why, <laughs> right? Like, okay, well, maybe it's a tech change, right? Jesus challenges us to cut off every hand and gouge out every eye that causes us to sin. And that's not just with adultery. In fact, it's anything that takes our heart away from God. And sometimes that's tech and we don't know it until the light of the gospel shines on it. And we go, oh man, that's not helping me be more like Jesus. That's not helping me revel in God's goodness. That's helping me run from him. So we we can notice that. And then that brings us to the third and final point for why we need the gospel. We need the gospel because it brings us a real perspective for hope that goes beyond tech right? Because tech often tells us, it makes a bunch of promises. It tells us things like, man, if you just, if you got on the grind, as someone who started a nonprofit and doing this work, I will tell you folks, it is a daily battle that I have had to go through and Anna has had to go through. And this has affected our marriage where we start this nonprofit, like, man, we're excited to tell people about Jesus. And we go, okay, well, how do we grow it? And there are voices, dozens, hundreds, thousands, all of them seemingly successful. They go, oh man, what you need to do is join the grind, right? You get up early, you stay up late, you work your nights and weekends, you're going to put in years of your life and there's a potential that maybe someone will hear it and pick you up and the internet algorithm will run with it and people will find you and you'll finally have success. And I believed that in my heart. Now, I didn't live like that, necessarily, but it was affecting my joy, right? I was starting to look at something like, I don't know if this is worth it. And I had to be challenged by board members, by loving friends, by reading scripture and praying it out where God literally was like, Hey, why are you waiting years to be successful? Like, can you not be successful speaking to the people you're speaking? Could you not be successful just loving your wife? Well, right? Like what is your definition of success? And unfortunately my definition for success had gotten twisted and it was huge. 
Like we're years away from what I thought success would be. And so I guess I was just saying like, Lord, I don't believe you're in this ministry unless you reach my definition of success. And now who's God in that situation, right? I just put parameters around God and said, here's what you're going to do if you believe in me. It doesn't work well, right? So what I had to do was repent. And I had to recognize, Lord, maybe I am going about this wrong. I am getting like, we're, we're doing too much at once. My wonderful, fantastic, amazing organizational coach came in and said, look at your board. That's wishful thinking. <laughs> There's no way you're doing all that as a two-person team. Build another board for when you expand. Focus on what the Lord's giving you right now. Do it well. Um, and that is so freeing, right? I have hope beyond what I considered success. I have hope beyond what tech tells me it will do for me. Now, I'm still going to use tech because it's a wonderful tool. I'm talking to some of you that I've never met. You live on different continents from me, some of you, right? That's amazing, at least in different states, right? And that's incredible. And so I'm going to keep using this tool, but I don't put my hope in it, right? My hope is found in Christ. And I just love that verse when Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, right? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I love that idea that we strive with our text so often. And the only way to fix it is to understand who Jesus is. Not who Jesus was, not as a good teacher, not take those aspects and go, yeah, I do need to just really focus on restfulness. No, no, no. You need to do the very unrestful work of pressing into the rest of Jesus. And the reason I say unrestful is it doesn't look like anything like what I would do on a vacation. Maybe it's what I should do on a vacation, but on a vacation, I do what I think is resting and I can come back feeling burned out and angry about my real life. But the daily rest, the daily bread that God provides in Christ is rest for my soul right? It's when I'm weary and I'm heavy laden and he comes to me and I still do the work he's called to me to do, but it's a light burden, right? There's joy in it. There's hope in it because it's not the tech at the end, which at the end points back to me and goes, oh, you're not doing well enough. Well, you probably didn't work hard enough, right? You probably just weren't quite as good as those other people. Look at those guys. Look at that lady, right? She's doing great stuff on social media. She's growing like gangbusters, right? Like she's going nuts out there and you're, well, you're doing fine. Right? You're not that person, but you're okay. And I can't look at that. I go, no, like, I'm redeemed in Christ. I'm a loved child. I'm equipped uh, for the good work God has called me to. I can't deny this work. And so I was just getting buried <laughs> right? under like, well, I just must not be good. God picked the wrong person for it. And if that's a word you've heard in your heart or in your mind or in your life, or other people literally said it to you, uh, I just want to let you know that in Christ, that's not true. Uh, you maybe need to repent of some stuff. Maybe you need to change the direction you're running, right? I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, we're starting some YouTube stuff because I do believe there's more effective ways to use some of the resources we've got uh, and that I need to maybe just not trust in my own efforts so much. But I hope you hear that when we, why, why are we attaching the gospel to technology? Man, we're doing it for those three reasons. It gives us a basis for truth, which is needed now more than ever. And people are floundering, not just so that we can be right, but so we can have hope, right? So we can build a clear conversation. You want a family tech framework? Best of luck in doing that without a foundation for truth. When people go, man, do you do this in public schools? I taught in public schools for 10 years, actually 11, <laughs> but a decade, right? I love speaking in public schools. I love bringing hope to those young people. And I'm at a spot right now where I cannot have a tech conversation that matters without the foundation of the gospel. I'm really working on it. We're praying through what that would look like. But at the end of the day, when a kid disagrees about what is good or what is right or what is true... And their parent says, yeah, but this is what I want from you. It just becomes a power game at that point. It becomes those kids in the emperor's new groove fighting with their parents, just going, yahana uh, yahana uh, yahana uh, yahana uh. It becomes, uh, I say this, and someone just goes, no, <laughs> there's no rebuttal, because now it's just, well, I said so, right? And we undermine our own authority as parents because 
that our authority doesn't come from us being right all the time. Oh my goodness, imagine that. If your kid could just write off what you said because you were wrong once. Instead, it comes from, no, like, I love you. And as an adult who loves you and loves God, God says that I need to pursue you in this way. And I need to protect you from some terrible things that are out there. And I need to disciple you and raise you up in the way you should go by loving you and modeling that for you, including repentance and active faith, right? So that is what tech and the gospel allows us to do. It allows us to live into the hope we have and not out of it. So three things again. First is basis for truth. The second is we can now build a family tech framework. We can build trust. And the third is we have hope that extends beyond just the tech we're using. I hope this is encouraging to you. Uh, I hope that you can move forward in this and recognize, man, areas in your life where you need to repent and you can pray and ask God. Uh, just in this conversation, if God laid something on your heart, repent of that today. Turn from it and be like, Lord, what do I need to do? What? Ask that question. This is the one question I'll give you. Ask God, Lord, what do I need to give back to you? Specifically in my technology, what am I holding on to? What do I need to give back? And give it openly. Okay, you're going to find a dozen reasons why you shouldn't, why that's not fair, why you should be able to do that, why that's unreasonable. <laughs> you're going to have all that. Pray through that. And the Lord will continue to work on it. Maybe you just ate a bad taco and it's, you know, just something that's laying on your heart and it'll be gone tomorrow. But if it's real, it'll come back. And you'll know that you've actually thought that for a while and that you need to take action on that in order to remain faithful with the Lord's asking you to do. Otherwise, you're not picking up his yoke, you're picking up yours, and it's a lot heavier, and it's going to be exhausting, and it's going to take it out of you. And the quicker you repent, the quicker you turn back and faithfully act, the more access uh, and resource and... Uh, man, just joy that you're going to have. So that's my prayer for you. That's why we need to connect the gospel to our technology. If you want more resources on this, you can go to gospeltech.net. Uh, you will find a number of articles, blogs, um, other podcasts on there. Uh, you'll also eventually find our YouTube content, which is forthcoming. Uh, I'm currently learning how to edit videos, so a uh, steep learning curve there for me. Uh, but you will find that. You can also... Um, Email me directly, Nathan at gospeltech.net, or you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Love God Use Tech. Uh, again, I hope this is encouraging. I hope you feel challenged and uplifted. Uh, I hope it helps you apply the gospel to your daily tech lives. And most importantly, I hope this helps you love God and use tech. Thanks for joining us today. Look forward to talking next week.
Thanks for listening. We just wanted to take a minute to let you know that just like you and your family, Purposely is also part of a family, the Krista Family of Ministries. Krista helps kids and teens learn and grow in their faith at King Schools and Miracle Ranch Camp. And Krista shares Jesus with people in the poorest, most remote places through World Concern. Krista Senior Living is a community of love and care, and Krista Media is a place of hope on the radio. God is changing lives through these five ministries, and Krista is on mission to share the good news of Jesus. To learn more, visit krista.org.